everybody here we are back again with numeric episode number eight uh in the time of coronavirus i was just thinking it was really funny on i was the thinking ides of march <laughs> yes on the ides of march too <laughs> the recording yes exactly i i saw this funny meme where julius caesar says hey we survived friday the 13th brutus <laughs> <laughs> but i was thinking that this is kind of appropriate in the sense that like if you think about the seven of cups is everybody getting sick and then the eight of cups is the remedy just walk away social distancing <laughs> isolation yeah, right. walk away so that's where we are in eight land right now all of us each in our separate compartments um, bubbles. We should all like have personal hamster wheels so they we can roll out and talk <laughs> to people. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so eights, which is kind of appropriate because here we are in eight land, which is where we are relying on infrastructure and systems to save us. Um, the eights are, of course, the numeric minors, which are eights. So the eight of wands being the lord of swiftness. The Eight of Cups being indolence or abandoned success. The Eight of Swords being interference or shortened force. And the Eight of Discs or Pentacles being the Lord of Prudence. Then we'll be talking about the Major Arcana by number and reduced meaning the, uh, well, this is complicated because the Eight in Rider Waite is strength, whereas the Eight in, uh, in Thoth is adjustment otherwise known to uh, Rider Waite folks as uh, justice. So we have strength, lust, and justice adjustment, or maybe we should just say strength and adjustment. Yeah, Since, probably. Yeah, Less confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less confusing, just to make it clear which version we're talking about, which will be obvious from the name. And then much less confusing, in a way, is the star, which is 17. So 1 plus 7 equals 8. And then Healing. all the connections to Hode. The and all the connections to Hode in the majors, exactly. So we have there the hanged man, uh, the devil, the tower, the sun, and judgment or eon. All right. So let's talk eights. The Ogdoad. Yeah. <laughs> the stop sign. So so eights are also mystical. Like every number, it's special, but not nearly as um, kind of multifarious as the seven was. It's a little simpler being mm -hmm. an even number and very stable, much more stable anyway, even though it's still off the center and low on the tree. Exactly. And I think what Crowley says is that the fault is less than the seven because it's it's trying to remedy the seven's effort. I, I don't know if I always buy that. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think yeah, they're kind of equal. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. But it is just pictorially even a much more stable looking number yes whether you write it out as an actual numeral or whether you write it out as a collection of dots it's much more stable than the seven as 
people with a connection to hermeticism, I think that eight is a little bit special to us because it is the sphere of Mercury. It is the mm -hmm. sphere of Hermes and all of these, you know, esoteric tarot and the correspondences we study, that's hermetic material. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of home base in some ways. Yeah. So models of eight that we run across, well, I guess for Nabel's arrangement, we have the points idea of thought. We talked about how um, it was the yeah, points idea the of points bliss last time. Idea of knowledge or chit. Okay, so knowledge or thought, chit as being that central part of the idea of sat chit ananda, uh, sat being the idea of being in which is associated with the nine, uh, knowledge or thought being chit uh, associated with itself. The, I guess mm -hmm, could mm -hmm. could also be thought of as consciousness. Yeah, which thought? I mean, yeah, same thing, but mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. And then uh, seven was the points idea of bliss, Ananda. So uh, again, just reiterating that these three belong together. But although when you think about the phrase, the points idea of thought, I mean, what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Even it sounds a little redundant, the idea it does, of thought. <laughs> <laughs> or knowledge, the idea of knowledge. Right, right. Yeah. Those, that phrase, the point you know, belonging to the point like that has something to do with the fact that everything we experience down here, seven, eight, nine, and 10 in these realms is distorted. You know, it's just an idea of something. It's not the actual thing. If for the, yeah. for the actual thing itself, you got to go higher up the tree. So some of the eight, eightfold models, there's the eight spoked wheel of the year, of course, with the four cardinal and intercardinal points the four holidays and the four cross-quarter holidays. We have the uh, the Bagua of the I Ching, the trigrams. Yeah, right. There's also 24 runes, which is a multiple of eight. So there's 64 Ooh, neat. I Ching mm -hmm. hexagrams and 24 runes, both of which are, you know. Based on systems of eight. Yeah. Yep. Then That's there's cool. a magic eight ball, you know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yes, yes, no, maybe... Ask again later. Better not tell you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I yeah, think there's yeah. a Wikipedia page that lists all the responses a magic eight ball can give you. I haven't looked at it in a while, though. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I, I remember them, though. <laughs> <laughs> the the paths of Wicca, they're, the Gardnerian paths, there are eight of those, too. This is kind of based on the eightfold model of consciousness or the eightfold channels. Um, they are meditation, trance, rites, uh, opening the gates, which is a euphemism for drugs, um, dance, uh, control, meaning yoga poses, discipline, um, and the great right, which is sex. Um, so. Did you mention the eight directions? Oh, right. uh, I think, it, yeah, like of the, the compass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cardinal okay, and um, intercardinal. Yep. Mm -hmm. There's also the Egyptian eight parts of the soul, which I thought was interesting. Oh. And um, those are physical, spiritual, the heart, the double, the personality, the shadow, the form, and the name. That's so fascinating. And then the Egyptians also had the eight primordial gods out of which, you know, the whole universe was built from chaos. Um, there were four mm. pairs, male and female, and the uh, the males had frog heads and the females had serpent heads, but the pairs were uh, hay and I'm not sure if I'll pronounce these right, hay mm -hmm. and hahet, which have to do with infinity and fire, the element fire, kuk and karket, 
uh, darkness and earth, Nun and Nanet, the waters, the waters of chaos, and mm -hmm. Amun and Amunet. Air this... and the invisible and hidden, the hidden ones, the invisible oh, things. How interesting. Wow. So they came in sort of male-female pairs, you're saying? Yeah, they came in male-female mm -hmm. pairs. And also those eight, there was also eight male-female pairs similarly um, in Babylonian mythology. So those mm -hmm. would be Abzu and Tiamat, Lamu and Lahamu, Engar and Kishar and Anu and... Uh, Nudimod. I'm not sure about pronunciation. Yeah, again. who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that in, in all these systems of eight, you always have the thing in its opposite, you know, the thing in mm -hmm. its polar polar counterpart. Like, um, I've heard that the eight was the number of Dionysus, but also of Apollo, interestingly. So the those two strains of thought, the Ap Apollonian and the Dionysian, oh, the sort of right. orderly right. versus the ecstatic, they're both in yeah, there. Yeah, that's like the seven and the eight. Agrippa mentions, well, this is just a thing that circumcision, the rite of circumcision takes place on the eighth day. Um, and giving out, out yeah, <laughs> might as well just mention it, though. Uh, <laughs> a little weird little factoid about Dionysus, you know, he has this connection with the Isle of Naxos, because he washed up there and uh, met up with Ariadne there, who later became his consort. Anyway, but there's a myth that so the Greeks believed that the seventh month was the month of viability for an infant, you know, gestating, gestation, like if it were delivered in the seventh month, it would survive, but that in the eighth, it wouldn't. However, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but, but the women of Naxos, because Naxos, because of the, I guess, blessing of Dionysus, could safely give birth in the eighth month. Huh. <laughs> because, yeah, because it was his number, which is just kind of interesting. There's a couple yeah. other eight things um, we could mention, too, just while we're on this like whole number association part of the episode. So there's Populus, you know, the, mm -hmm. eight, the geomantic yeah. figure with eight points. Maximum um, points. Having yeah. to do with the people. Yeah, the maximum number of points allowed, really. Eight was really an important number to Crowley because of the association with Het which is 418 in full if you spell out Het, the Gematria, which was a really important number of the great work to him. And he called eight the number, uh, the great number of redemption, a number he goes on and on about in 777 yeah. as really being associated with the great work and the connection of the microcosm and macrocosm. And, and in that section under eight, he calls eight the great number of redemption, which is interesting yeah. in terms of the idea of the eight being like a remedy for the seven. Exactly. Redemption and remedy as a sort of rebalancing of the tree. Exactly. And you know, what's interesting is that, you know, he had we talked about the number 666, special to Crowley, number of the beast, 777, number of Babylon, and 888 is supposed to be the number, number of Christ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but 888 is the number of Christ. And I don't actually know what tradition that comes from, but I think it's uh, it's not something you hear about a lot. Yeah, that's, I've seen that, though. That's definitely part of the archetypal history of eight yeah mm -hmm. i think that's actually in also listed in that gematria section of 777 that i we think so yeah in the last yeah. episode it, it lists aaa as a number of christ and under eight i think it says the ogdode the intellect also change in stability yes and then it says derived from two and three by multiplication or two to the third power 
Um, right, right. The father degraded to mere animal reason. The father degraded to man, may, to, to mere animal to, reason? To, to mere animal reason. What is mere animal reason, I, think, I wonder? Well, I guess, yeah. I guess, you well, know, there's sort let's of... See, let me find that section, though, because here, here it is. So, the, really so if you go to yeah. that section, it's on mm-hmm. uh, page 28. So it has z- zero, the cosmic egg. Mm-hmm. One, the self of deity beyond fatherhood and motherhood. Mm-hmm. Two, the father. Three, the mother. Four, the father made flesh, authoritative mm-hmm. and paternal. Mm-hmm. Five, the mother made flesh, fierce and active. Six, the son, partaking of all of these natures. Seven, the mother degraded to mere animal emotion. Eight, the father degraded to mere gotcha. animal reason. Mm-hmm. Nine, the son degraded to mere animal life. Ten, the daughter fallen and touching with her hands the shells. Mm. So that's the sequence. That makes sense. That makes sense. Although it's interesting how the seven and the eight flip, right? Flip from the father has all along been on the pillar of force and the mother on the pillar of form. And then they they kind of switch in the seven and the eight. They do. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. But I think that's intentional yeah it's a yeah reflection yeah and it says that after this it says it will be noticed that this order represents creation as progressive degeneration which we are compelled to think of as evil huh. uh, there's this whole set there's way too much to read here but that whole section that starts on page 27 and goes for like 20 pages is really interesting reading on all this stuff yeah and 777 he he goes through all these different ways of breaking down the numbers one through 10, similar to the way he does in the Naples arrangement, but in different Mm -hmm. wordings. And Mm -hmm. it's very enlightening. And it sort of gives a glimpse into where the Naples arrangement comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Different ways of saying the same thing. I've also heard of the number eight, and this may be from Westcott. I don't remember, but um, justice and fullness. It's the number of justice and fullness because of the way it divides equally into even numbers, which is interesting because of that long history of justice, the major arcana as number eight. Just when we were on correspondences, mm-hmm. one of the plant, do you, have you heard of moly? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So, the, so that was the plant correspondence. And I thought that was interesting because that's uh, the plant that protects Hermes gives to Ulysses to counteract yes. the spells of Circe. Which that's right. It's really interesting that the spells of Circe sounds very much like the seven. It's, it totally you know? does. And the and the and what the spell of yeah. Circe did was it created, uh, it transformed the men into swine. It created that glamour. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or lack of glamour. <laughs> I, know, I thought that was a really interesting like um, correspondence yeah. in terms of how we're talking about how the seven and eight contrast each other yeah moly as a as holy moly um moly as an herb i think (laughs) you know is supposed to dispel illusion it's a it's an herb of reason and therefore an herb of mercury yeah that's just fascinating one thing that yoav bendov the great tarot de marseille scholar said about eights is that they represent the ability to distinguish details and systems um and rational constructions which is something that we see a great mm-hmm. deal more of in the eight. It's a number of systems and and organization. Yeah, it's all the, those inspirations of the seven somehow have to get organized into something coherent um, mm-hmm. through sometimes words and thoughts. <laughs> or know, symbols. It's, it's corralling yeah. those really, f- yeah, free form 
dreams or symbols or inspirations into something that can be explained. There's a at least the appearance of logic <laughs> to create sense, at least the appearance of sense. There was one more um, correspondence that I thought was interesting from 777 is, is it associated the um, unicorn with the eight. It called it uh, Monokeros de Astris, or the Unicorn of the Stars. Mm-hmm. And it's I guess that's a title of the, the practicus grade, which is associated with Hode. Mm. And under Monokeros de Astris, it said, The horn and the speed are masculine, while it's white with silver collar are feminine aspects. You know, it was kind of in the sense that, you know, Mercury is a hermaphrodite. There's yeah. a lot of dual nature going on uh, in the eight and stuff. And it said the collar was inscribed linea viridis gyrat universa, or which translates to something like, you know, the wind blowing down the green line. You know, that, mm-hmm. that we've mm-hmm. talked in other episodes about the green line of the universe, mm-hmm. um, how Venus, and again, it brings in Venus, this connection with the seven, you know, the, um, so yeah. this, this unicorn symbol is connecting like the seven and the eight in, in, in one thing. Right. The idea of right. the green line around the universe is very Venusian. How, yeah. how, how the symbol of Venus connects all the, the tree. Mm-hmm. But also, if you draw the, if you draw the symbol on yes. the tree, it connects all of them. Exactly. But also the idea of Mercury or Hermes as the unification, the hermaphroditic, uh, unification of both yes. of them in the doubleness of the eight. Yeah. That's yep. really interesting. And so, yeah, it, if you, it, mm-hmm. that was one of the correspondences was a hermaphrodite. Another one mm-hmm. was twin serpents, like we see in the caduceus. That's mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. kind of similar expression. We've started talking about tree a little bit. Shall we do a little bit more Kabbalah? Well, we should probably do the, yeah, the, probably do the Kabbalah virtues. Kind of correspondence Kabbalah versus the cards Kabbalah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, okay. yeah, we talked a lot about the difference between Netzach and Hode last time, but just some uh, reiteration, I guess, since people may be just tuning into the eight. The um, Netzach we talked about as being that world of feelings. Um, it's it's undifferentiated versus the the intellect of Hode, the differentiated and individual, the Netzach being the group consciousness versus the Hode being more of the individual consciousness, uh, Netzach being the Orphic or ecstatic path versus the Hermetic path of Hode, visions of Netzach versus divination style prophecy. Uh, yeah, prophecy you, you, you mentioned mm-hmm. um, the Apollonian and um, Apollonian. Dionysian. Yeah. And yeah. and that reminded, they, they both have a lot to do with music. Like there's the ecstasy oh, yeah, of music that's true. Yeah. and the mm-hmm. seven notes, but then there's the musical octave, which is when you repeat the next one. Exactly. And, and Apollo was the god of music or one of them. And the idea also, we talked kind of about Netzach and Hod as both being that plurality of consciousness, the armies of God. So in Netzach, that being kind of the differentiation of force, emotional forces, the warring drives and feelings, whereas in Hode, we kind of synthesize new forms. We create symbol systems and maps, the thing that allows us to navigate. competing Mm -hmm. ideas, you know? Yeah, Like the monkey mind thing. Ooh, and also, um, because Hode is the fifth day, that is when, you know, the creator introduced all manner, all variety of creatures, all the species differentiation. Hode is our ability to 
conceptualize to create abstractions. So like if, if I'm driving to your house, you know, I can do it because I know that I have to go north and I have to go east and I have to go around the reservoir and I have to take this route and this, you know, route 202, all these different things because of the map in my head. Every map that mm. we make is a function of Hode. Every language that we learn, every ability to communicate is based on these abstract concepts that we are constantly generating. Oh, and the virtue and vice are tr virtue of truthfulness, right? Or honesty? Yep. Versus the vice. And then the vice is false. Dishonesty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, on dishonest. And you know, and that's so interesting because that reminds me of that um, story of Plato that we talked about way, way, way back in probably the Magus or Magician or something like that, where where we talked about how the the gods created... Uh, when when the god of language, you know, whether you want to call it Thoth or Hermes or whatever, devised language and came to to boast about it, this was viewed as a great tragedy because with language, nothing can ever be purely truthful anymore. <laughs> you know? Everything yeah. is a distortion. On the on, on the one hand, language is the one tool we have to communicate truth to one another, and yet on the other hand, it is always untruthful. It's, it's always slippery. Distorted. It's slippery. It's slippery. And the other thing I thought that was interesting is most of the gods that are associated with, you know, our tricksters and stuff, you know, Hermes, uh -huh. Odin, oh, who, by the way, rode a eight-legged horse, Odin. Oh, right. Uh, Sleipnir, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. They're all tricksters, except it's really interesting. Thoth, he didn't have any trickery in him, mm. really. Mm. Not that yeah. I can see. I don't see any trickery in Thoth. Yeah. My experiences with that with that god. Mm. Yeah. And or, or Anubis, for that matter. He doesn't mess around either, but yeah. Mm -hmm. The Egyptians' concept of Mercury was different in that way. Uh, less distrustful of the nature of language. Yeah, perhaps. Or symbol, or whatever you may call it. That's interesting. Yeah, not to mention their devotion to magical practice, which is a uh, concept of the eight as well. Right. One association with Hode is the idea of humility, the idea that in divination, there is an indirect transmission from the divine, whereas in Netzach, it's like a direct download. It's an ecstatic, inspirational download, whereas in, in Hode, it's sort of like there's always a layer of interpretation and and trying to make sense of things because you recognize that you're you don't have that direct connection to the divine. So, you know, they're one of the symbols of Hode I read somewhere, I can't remember, it was probably in um Colin Lowe, that hermetic Kabbalist, is the idea that, you know, it's the the downturned head. <laughs> you know, the uh the praying head, the one that yeah. that that looks downward to the symbols to try and figure out what the god is saying rather than upward. Um the weapon? What's the weapon? The names and versicles and uh, the apron. Ah, the apron, yes, yes, covering the genitals. The, 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 <laughs> yeah, the apron not only covers the genitals, which I guess are more kind of uh Isod thing, but mm -hmm. they also the apron also explains it by its symbolic design, which I think is a, a kind mm. of whole thing. It's Very like, much so. Yeah. And then the names and versicles are 
trying to explain the logos in 3D terms, and uh, but it, it <laughs> mentioned that the eight as being two to the third power, kind of being related to that because of Hokma, you know, to the third power 3D. So it was trying to explain the logos in 3D terms. <laughs> that oh, what, that's interesting. What, what eight is doing. So that's the names and verticals. So I thought that was kind of cool. And then it's the vision of splendor which is, of course, one of the translations of the name. Ezekiel. Hode. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the vision of Ezekiel. And, um, and the illusion, this is interesting, the illusion of Netzach is projection and the illusion of Hode is order. Cliffoff is a false accuser. So again, falsehood, mm-hmm. you know. I'm looking at Garden of Pomegranates. I just pulled it out because uh, just for fun. And I see the thing about the plant being moly. Its vegetable drug is Anholonium bluwinii. I don't know what What's, that is. What is that? Well, it says, which causes when taken internally visions of color rings and of an intellectual nature enhancing self-analysis. Of I don't color, really. color rings or color yeah. rings? Color rings. Colored rings. Yeah, I don't know. Never heard of Anholonium luwinii. Maybe that's a Latin name and we just are, there's a more common name that we would There must be. There must be here. I'm just going to enter it really quick just to look. Anholonium luwinii, homeopathic remedy, the regular name for, it's a small cactus. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, oh, is it is it peyote? It's peyote. That's what I was it's wondering. It's peyote. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you have it. Peyote is the uh, vegetable drug of hode. Interesting. Hmm. Archangel. Last correspondence. Okay. Um, uh, I've seen I've seen um, Raphael. I've seen Michael. And you know, but Raphael isn't Raphael usually Teferit? I get confused with yeah, the those, angels, I have to tell you. I do too. But I think there's there's definitely sometimes some switching between the two because, mm-hmm. well, you know, Mercury and Sun. So, you know, it kind of makes sense that they sometimes yeah. switch. But it's one of those. All right. Um, colors? Yeah, violet purple in the king scale. So mm-hmm. um, orange in the queen scale. Red russet in the... Prince or Emperor scale and yellowish brown flecked white in the Princess or Empress scale. Right. So and again, we get the secondary color of uh, orange in the mm-hmm. uh, Queen scale, which is the color you would see on the Minutum Mundum diagram. Mm-hmm. Which is the combination of the red of Givora and the yellow of Tiferet. Yes. The two yeah. preceding Sephiro. Right. So uh, shall we talk majors? Sure. Ooh, we've got strength or we've got adjustment. Hmm. Mm. That's interesting. Well, well, having adjustment in the star versus uh, strength in the star, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I use both more, so I kind of prefer that just in the sense that they're both air signs, and this is mm. a very, you know... Mm-hmm. Sign, you know, sign of reason, the mind, air signs, thinking. So it kind of, I liked that having Libra and Aquarius there. Yeah, it does make it does make a kind of intuitive sense, um, and Mercury being inherently airy as well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. As far as strength and the star go, I mean, though they're, they're clearly both aspects of the goddess. Um, yeah. And the strength Which card makes sense for Mercury as ruler of Virgo. Yeah, and they're opposites too. They're Leo Aquarius. So again, there's that sort of polar thing mm-hmm. going on, which we often have in eight, yep. you know, 
the, you have the thing right. and its opposite. Yeah, that makes sense too, in a way. Mm-hmm. And strength itself goes between the two pillars. Literally has an eight in the form of the infinity sign on it. Right. In terms of the sort of qualitative aspects of the number eight, I think the strength card can express that as a moral fortitude, right? Which is something we really see in the Rider-Waite-Smith more than in Lust. But it's more of this idea that you apply, you it's a virtue that you apply. It's something that you, oh, there's a quality of modesty and humility that is part of Hode that's expressed in the aspect of strength we see in Rider-Waite-Smith. There's a sort of like purity and humility overcoming the appetites mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. Yep. Yeah. See that. Yeah. And then the star, in terms of its relationship to eight, well, one thing that we always see on the star just literally represented is that eight point star, which is, which is, it's kind of a way of reconciling the seven and the eight, really, because that's, whereas we have the seven point star of Babylon, we have the eight point star of Astarte and uh, Lakshmi, I think. So, you know, the star literally. But not use, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm strength or adjustment they're either either pair yeah they're all aspects of the goddess they all are they all they absolutely are yeah and you can see on rider wade smith star that every single one of those stars there are eight of them and they each have eight points so that's a pointing back to hode as well and they all are you know forms of the goddess as you said yeah which is you know weird because you expect that in the seven and maybe less so in the eight but it is the it is the feminine pillar. But, it, but it's that it's that mm-hmm. duality thing. Like in mm-hmm. the seven, there was so mm-hmm. much connection to Mars and the mm-hmm. masculine. Where here we have all this connection to Venus and the feminine. It's like this recip- reciprocal thing going on down at the bottom of the tree. That's absolutely true. Where things are increasingly mixed. So mm-hmm. you know, the game of matchy match becomes more and more complicated <laughs> as you go down. And yeah, yeah, and you cannot really separate one from the other. So, yeah, so Sephira leading to and from Hode, got Hanged Man, Devil, Tower, Sun, and Eon or Judgment. Sun and Eon. I mean, the keyword I use for eights is realization. It has so many different ways to be defined, but I think all of which kind of pick up on the the nature of eight and Hode, the idea that you know, to to realize something is both to make it real and also for it to have a reality in your mind. It could be material reality, Mm. but it could also be mental reality, intellectual reality, which is of the nature of Hode and the nature of magic, too. It's sort of like Hode is this moment where if we talk about as above, so below, well, we're we're practically all the way below now, um, channeling down the pillar of form. The hanged man. Ooh, kitty, careful. I just do not want her to step on my keyboard right now. Okay, you just sit there. Yeah, right. (laughs) You're good. Okay. So the hanged man, you know, um, in terms of like this idea of realization, I I think of him in terms of like, as you were saying in Tabula Mundi with your Odin myth, you know, the self-sacrifice of seeing through the illusions, seeing through to the infrastructure, seeing the secrets of how the world works being devoted to to that practice of understanding the mm. reality beneath the surface and looking um, mm-hmm. at things from a different perspective you know the yeah. hanged man's upside down he's taking time to to reconsider 
things in their own time. Yeah. And when we think about the hanged man, his head is in hood, right? And his feet are up in the divine. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, he's literally trying to work it out with his head. And then the devil, you know, to me, the devil kind of represents a different kind of understanding of how systems work and being able to manipulate them. You know, mm. he he is the lord of the gates of matter, and he has that special position out of Hode, between Hode and the upper Sephirot, right? Where he's in charge of all those distortions of the upper world that we receive down here in Hode, as well as like, there's something about the devil as being the card of the eye, you know, the, the perception filter mm -hmm. being, being somehow diabolical. Yeah. And, and there's, uh, there's also a connection with, I, I think of the devil as one aspect of, you know, there's like this masculine triad of the magician and the devil and the hermit. That mm. kind of, they're all like aspects of each other in some ways, the masculine, divine, masculine energy. I see that. Yeah. And they're all mercurial in their own way. Although normally you wouldn't think of the devil as mercurial, but he really is. I mean, he look, really especially is on the Rider Waite Smith with the hermaphrodite devil, you know. Not only that, but also all knowledge gods are devils too, right? And you know, the yes. Hermes is our knowledge god, but every knowledge god, whether it's Prometheus or Lucifer or whoever is represented as a villain at some level, you know, as a as a as a demonic mm -hmm. figure from the point of view of the um you know the authority in charge <laughs> right <laughs> yeah whoever that may be yeah. <laughs> you know so i yeah, exactly. i think something about hode as knowledge and culture really helps to unpack the devil as not you know as a as a card that is negative or positive solely depending on how you look at it as opposed to be it being inherently right evil, which a lot of people, especially coming from Rider Waite, tend to see it as. Yeah, yeah, that's like, it reminds me of that other knowledge god that, you know, we didn't mention in, when we were talking earlier, the mm -hmm. Anki, Lord mm -hmm. of the Sacred Eye. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. very much a, a precursor to the Lucifer or the um, tempter in the Garden of Eden serpent myth. Yeah, for sure. And also the idea that like carnal knowledge, right, which is something that Christianity is quite uncomfortable with, whereas you know, the male and female are literally mm. united in Hermes. Uh, then we have the tower, which we've talked about before. There's uh, that tension between the needs of the individual in Netzach and the needs of everybody in Hode, the needs of the group. And that there... The well, I, I would say mm -hmm. that's the other way around. I, mm. would, I would put... Well, yes, I know what you're Netzach, talking about. The individual consciousness of the mind in Hode. <laughs> Well, yes, but, I know what you're you talking know. about. Yeah, I think in the sense that Hode, um, Hode is a system, Sephirot, that, you know, that kind of creates an infrastructure for the for the community, for the group, whereas Netzach is an inspirational yeah, okay. structure. So yeah, I see what you mean in consciousness, in terms of consciousness. They're intimately entwined. Yeah. Right. In terms of consciousness, yeah. Right, right. In terms of consciousness, for sure, I, I see Netzach as being the group consciousness and Hode the individual. But those 
concepts themselves are intertwined. And I think the tower really represents the tension between individual and group. The idea that what you do yeah. on your own behalf is not always good for everybody. And <laughs> vice know? versa, yeah. Right. And even the very concept of warfare is the idea of what's good for me cannot possibly be good for you. Right. There's something like that. The idea of warfare, the idea of Mars, the, the idea of strife between people in the tower. And then the sun. I think of both the sun and the devil as being different aspects of 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 reason, right? You know, I mean, the sun of illumination, is, illumination, right? exactly, exactly, of shining a light on things. Of it's so weird mm -hmm. that that the sun is the path between Mercury Hoed and Yasod the Moon, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, for it's sure. almost like the con consciousness and un subconsciousness. Like I kind of think of the sun as like the light, you know, that mm -hmm. next to them. It's a hard thing to phrase, but you get what I'm trying to say. I get what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. The sun is Resh the head. Oh, know? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot to say that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Lying there right next to the sphere of reason. Duh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then the eon is in terms of code being a sphere of realization well what's the point of realization if you're not going yeah. to make it real in Malkut right <laughs> so that path between Hod and Malkut is that literal birth of the new um, which you see yeah, in the that, and that mm -hmm. seeing of a bigger picture like I always I always find the Aeon or Eon card really expansive in terms of seeing larger cycles going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something about the shift, in, them. the shift in perspective that allows you to see the big picture there, both in judgment and in yes. Eon. Mm -hmm. Getting the, um, yep. getting beyond the mundane concerns to seeing how the larger system works, how, how reality yeah, itself Mercury, works. Really. I mean, Mercury is the ruler as we know of both Gemini and Virgo. And those are both signs that are like Virgo is known for caring for small things and, and mm -hmm. details. And, and, and Gemini is known for like flitting from detail to detail and kind exactly. of in a eon is like the seeing the forest instead of the trees, I guess of, yeah. of Gemini yeah. and, and Virgo. Which somebody's got to do. <laughs> I saw this funny yeah. tweet the other day where someone said, Gemini privilege is studying for the test for exactly one minute and acing it. <laughs> and I was thinking about that. I don't know what that's like. I'm not, I don't have any Gemini whatsoever. I was thinking about how, <laughs> how for, for Virgo, it's like studying for the test and then studying for eight more hours because you got dragged down some wormhole. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. I have enough oh, Virgo to relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we talk about uh, minors, eight minors, or four yeah. minors that are eights? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so we have the eight of wands. Oh, what is what is it that uh, Crowley says about eights? Oh, yeah. He says it has the same inherent defects because it's off the middle middle pillar and low on the tree, but it's a remedy for the seventh error, a reaction against the mischief. <laughs> he also says something about Mercury being unexpected, always having a mercurial unexpected quality, which is not something I usually use for eights, but just kind of struck me as interesting in terms of, at least in terms of the like electric qualities of the eight of wands, I can see that. Eight of wands is definitely something, for me, it's something unexpected as in, you know, an unexpected idea like, you know, we've talked about in that episode of the, the brilliant 
light bulb mm-hmm. moments and things like that that are associated you know the mm-hmm. idea that comes to flash of insight or whatever yeah i found a quote in wang and i'm not sure where he got it from i but i wrote it down and that i cuz i thought it kind of was interesting and it said the eights are about solitary success for example, success in the time being, but not leading to much result apart from the thing itself. Yeah. And that's I've kind of that like too. the Eight of Wands. You know, you get the idea of success in the time being, but it's fleeting and there's no result. You just got the idea. You didn't do anything yet. You might even lose the right. idea if you don't like write it down or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> Save right. it for later. Put it on your to do list or, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think Crowley calls it energy at its most exalted and tenuous. You know, so mm-hmm. there's no there's yes. no substance to it. The um weight says And that's the Mercury card of these mm-hmm. four. That's the one that who right. It's interesting cuz that's the card that has um Oh yeah, that's double, the Kabbalistic right? the double. double. One mm-hmm. cuz the Deccan ruler mm-hmm. is yep. Mercury, but you know, the other the only one that's the oddball out is the 8 of cups cuz the other two the Eight of Swords is a Gemini card, so that's kind of yeah. a double. And yeah. the Eight of um, Pentacles or Discs is a Virgo card, so that's kind of doubly mercurial. But it's that um, eight, eight of, of cups. cups that's kind of like the uh, and it's the odd uh, one out. That in fact, it's is opposite the worst of the four. Really, yeah, it's the counter yeah. because it's it Pisces. Saturn. Pisces, where Mercury has fallen as well. Yeah. So yeah. what Wade says of the Eight of Wands is that they're they're drawing to the term the thing is about to happen, and this is something that's so funny. Uh, well, who was I talking? You know, at the Northwest Terrace Symposium, I was looking at an Eight of Wands with someone, and they were really irritated because the Eight of Wands was going up. <laughs> you know, the wands are traveling upward rather than about to about to reach the destination, which yeah. seems to be, you know, the imminence and the immediacy and the anticipation of the eight of wands is really core to that card, I think. Um, and then the yep. eight of cups, the Speedy delivery, <laughs> express delivery. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then the eight of cups, the so-called apex of unpleasantness. Yeah, that's definitely the worst eight, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's the worst one because it's got this feeling of like, I don't know, short-sightedness, mm. you know? You, you're not even trying. You just, you know, the the whole abandoned success thing. You're, you're discontent and you're not even going to bother doing anything about it, you know? Yeah. It's the icky feeling, I think. True. On the other hand, Wade calls it deserting the cups of his previous concern. I, I find this card to be very helpful in terms of getting rid of what you no longer need. It's like the realization oh, that sure. this is yeah. no longer working, you know, and as unpleasant yeah. as it is, you got to do it. And this is a card I see all the time for clients who, you know, it's high time they just up and left, yep. you know, without experiencing that feeling of stagnation, you don't have the motivation to get going where you need to go, I think. But uh, the, that sense of being lost and confused that Saturn Saturn leaves you in the labyrinth and in the dark. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that. It can be, it could be helpful in that way. Yeah, and weirdly, Still, it's pre- yeah, it's pretty unpleasant. But I get that card so much on on Thursdays, one because it's Pisces, but also for swimming, which <laughs> go figure, you know. So it doesn't. You. It's not always terrible. <laughs> I wouldn't want to swim in that water. No, you but wouldn't want to swim in the water. In the it's, it's not that bad. And then the Eight of Swords, shortened force or shortened interference. force, yeah, which weight describes as temporary durance. Uh, more of temporary endurance, something you have to endure, than of irretrievable bondage. 
So like mm. the other eights, there is a I'll quality of a mutable quality to it, you know, of not being stuck forever, but definitely being stuck. What is yeah, it that temporary snag thing that we yeah. talked about in the eight of yeah. swords episode? I yeah, think called it the snagged bobbin. The snagged bobbin, <laughs> for sure. Crowley focuses on the Jupiter qualities and says it's the error of being good-natured when being good-natured is disastrous. I guess it's it means- interesting too, like the idea of Jupiter as fortune, and like this is like kind of a narrowing. Somehow, this shortened force is like cutting cutting off fortune somehow, like a narrowing of options because of these unexpected snags that, that come up or something. Well, yeah, I mean, I think about it as, you know, I've always thought about it as that collision between fortune and free will is represented by the lovers. Like, what if you stick a sword in a bicycle wheel? <laughs> you know, what happened? You get an interference with the flow of fortune of the flow of the wheel. And you have right. to just wait till you fix right. it. Somehow that flow of fortune is being cut off a little. Mm-hmm. Not permanently, but... Not permanently, right. The thing that's going to make it worse is trying to force your way forward when that's not appropriate at the time, mm-hmm. which is often the case with this card. And then right. um, Prudence, Eight of Discs or Pentacles, my natal deccan, love that card. If if his resources are sufficient, he beats the market, Crowley says. Of a, He's describing the Eight of Discs as a financier and that his gift is time. If he can gain time... Um, because the discs, of course, are the slowest of all four, then mm-hmm. he will it will increase and thrive. Yeah, definitely yeah. the card of accruing interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that idea of profits you can realize is what I th- what I think about that. You know, if you just wait, there's definitely a quality of observation to the eights, like where you have to see what you're dealing with in order to profit. We talked a little bit about how eights are the central. Deccan for knights or kings. And oh, right. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, that's interesting because it's sort of like um, the this is the impulse of mutable signs, right? To try and make everything into a system and understand it before you move on, to collect it and kind of understand how things work. And I think, you know, the knight or king in his re- leadership role really needs to do that. He needs to understand the workings of things mm-hmm. um, in order to get to the uh, the magical point of the nine and be able to yeah. benefit others. Yeah. It's interesting that the knight's weakness is the emotional realm where his strengths are more the, um, mm. you know, he yeah. Hates. Yeah. There's like an awareness <laughs> that the, there's traps in the emotional realm that systems can yeah. overcome. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at sort of, you know, neither for the seven or eight, did I ever really get, many, you know, two of them at once. That's happened a few times, but not enough to sort of make a theory out of it. But I notice in, when I draw eights, there's definitely qualities of trying to work the systems, whether it's like an eight of wands having kind of online meetings and meeting with people virtually, the eight of swords kind of trying to deal with system failures and how to fix them. And eight of discs is a real sort of like working with the systems of the soil planting things, um, getting... Um, yeah, on one level, yeah. every one of the eights is is somehow about ideas or calculations. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there's, it's like the giant filing cabinet of the Tree of Life. <laughs> All right. I think we might have got it. I think we might have covered what we have to cover. All right. So some of the themes we've talked about is uh, eight 
or hode as the um, sphere of ideas and intellect, the presence of Hermes in many, many different ways, magical arts, the truthfulness and falsehood, the trap of the intellect is, yeah. Yeah. It's both a a gift and a trap. For sure. The illusion of order, same thing. Uh, Apollo versus Dionysus. Yeah, I mean, without the seven, the magician of the eight is an armchair magician. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, just reading reading it in the book and going, oh, I get this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Not emotionally experiencing. Right. Right. Abstraction, internal maps, language itself, symbols, Mm. humility, divination through signs, those kinds of things, organization, and the filing cabinet of reality. All right. I guess that's a wrap for us for uh, for the eight. And we're kind of getting there, aren't we? Just nine and ten left to go. Yep. All right. So we will be back with you next time for the magical, mystical nines. Hang in there and see you then.